Hello, everyone, and welcome to another America's Conservative Podcast. I am your host, Ed Denzel, and I am feeling spectacular. I've got all sorts of drugs in me. I got the uh, one kind of inhaler. I have another kind of inhaler. I took some steroids this morning, and I got another prescription that I'm picking up today. I am doing fantastic. Although I'm hacking up, and you may hear me cough, I'm breathing great. But I'm hacking up all sorts of stuff. This uh, allergy, it's particularly bad this year. And I, I am convinced, convinced that had I not gone to the doctor yesterday morning and gotten this medicine, that probably last night into today, I think I could have had a really, really bad episode where I might have had to go to the hospital. I'm serious. Very, very serious. That's how bad it was. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or just I, I believe that the pollen count is up a lot higher than the last few years. But maybe it's just me getting older. Uh, I don't know. But um, I don't know. It's a, probably a, a lot of factors put together. But I feel great, even though you may hear me cough during this and maybe sniffle and, and things because this microphone is so awesome. Uh, but I do feel really good. In fact, I think that I'm going to probably get out and play a little disc golf today before trivia this evening. And, of course, today is also Groundhog Day. And Groundhog Day, the movie, is actually one of my favorite films. I think there's a lot that can be – this is not a funny movie, but there's a lot that can be learned from that movie. And it's a movie that I think was underrated at the time when it came out. But since then – uh, has gotten more respect. It was very popular on DVD and rentals back in the day when those things were popular. And I'm sure it's going to be watched uh, a ton today. In fact, I probably will put it in my DVD player. I do have a very quick Groundhog Day story. I Because I'm from Pennsylvania, I went to Punxsutawney twice for Groundhog Day. Uh, February 2nd, 1997, so exactly 20 years ago. And then I also went in 1998 just a few months before I ended up moving to Las Vegas. In 97, I went with a girl, or actually a woman I was dating at the time. She was older than I am, so I must call her a woman. Uh, and we went up there, and it was, it was uh, on a Sunday. So everybody had off work, and so it was more crowded than usual. It was a lot more crowded than in 98, which it ended up being on, like, what, a Monday or a Tuesday, and there weren't as many people. It was fairly easy. But on that day, 1997... They wouldn't allow you to drive up to Gobbler's Knob where that all happens. And it's not like the movie where it's in the middle of the city. It's, it's out in the middle of the woods where this happens. And so you had to ride these school buses up to the site. And then when it was over, you'd get on these, these school buses to go back down to where everybody was parked. Well, getting there into school bus was no big deal. You get up there in the dark, and it's almost like you're going to like a, a UFO landing. You're in the dark, and then all of a sudden there's all these lights and everything. It lo really looks like something right out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But then afterwards, everybody is leaving at the same time. You know, everybody gets there at different times, but everybody leaves at the same time, and it was a mess. It had rained, and of course it had snowed, and the, water, the, the ground was wet, and these buses were sliding all over the place, and there were no lines and everything. Well, the woman I was dating and I got separated in this line, and it really wasn't it was line. It was just a bunch of people. Imagine how people gather for like a subway 
car that pulls up, and of course that's just a long train, and there's multiple doors, so it's no big deal that there's not technically a, a, a line. There's just a group of people standing on a platform. That's what it was like for this, but it's a bus. There's only one door to get into a bus. So... You'd just get lucky. Sometimes the bus would pull up right where you're standing, where some people were standing, and then the next time it would pull up in a different area. So you're lined up along this road, and it was just luck or not whether you're getting onto the bus or not. You could have been at the beginning of the line. You could have been at the end of the line, just depending where that door ended up when the bus stopped. Well, she and I got separated somehow. There's just so many people just trying to push and just get the heck out of there. And wouldn't you know when the next bus came up that we had been – we stood there, I'm going to guess, at least an hour and a half, and it's February in Pennsylvania. So it was not warm, although I don't think it was snowing. I don't think it was raining at that point, but I I remember it was being cold. Wouldn't you know when the bus pulled up, it pulled up right in front of her, and I'm standing like back by the rear tire of the, the, the bus and there's like 30 people between us. And there's no way I'm going to get on this bus. It's going to be well full before I end up getting to that door because of all the people between me and her and the door. So she's one of the first people to get on the bus. And she sees me standing down there. I'm like almost plastered up against the side of this yellow school bus. She comes back to the back and she's mouthing to me, I'll meet you down at the car. I'll meet you. You know, when you get on, I'll be waiting for you down there. And I said, no, no, no. I I yelled at her, no, 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 no. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm not doing that. I said, put this window down. This window, you know how they have those push-button windows? You push them in, the buttons in the side of the top, and you slide it down. Do bus bus windows still work like that? I have no idea. I haven't been on a school bus maybe since 1997. Uh, So she thought I was just wanted to talk to her. So she puts the window down, and what do I do? I grab onto the window and I do a pull up and pull myself right up into the bus. I said, I am not waiting around. I've waited long enough. It was, once again, must have been an hour and a half since Punxsutawney Phil came out of his home or whatever. So uh, all these people were cheering and, and everything else. It was just something spur of the moment. I knew I could do a pull up into this bus. I was skinny. I was skinny enough. I'm probably still skinny enough to do that. And strong enough too. I'm 46, but I think I could do it. And pulled myself right up and I came flopping, like did a backflip in through the window, landed on one of those green vinyl seats that you see or black vinyl that you see in school buses. And everybody, once again, everybody's cheering and everything. Didn't catch crap from it from the bus driver. That's how I got out of Punxsutawney and Gobbler's Knob, February 2nd, 1997. And I think that's still the only time I've ever gone through a school bus window. But it was just a spur-of-the-moment thing. But it was crazy. If you ever have an opportunity to go, you should go. It's fun. And I'm not into big crowd stuff, but it it was neat. And it was so good that I went back the next year with another girl. Yeah, I know. I, I'm a stud. But um, And it was a lot calmer that time. You could go up there in your car and you could park. There was a lot less people there. It was much calmer that year, but... If you go on a day, on a year where it falls on a weekend, February 2nd falls on a Saturday or Sunday, watch out. So let's get to the show. See, I used to be crazy. I'm still a little crazy. Very laid back, but I can be crazy at times. Betty, Betsy DeVos. 
It's seeming to me that Susan Collins from Maine, Senator, and Lisa Murkowski, Senator from Alaska, are going to not vote for Betsy DeVos. Now, you got to keep in mind something. I, I'll tell you that this is the first thing that came to mind, and I, I, this is something that I emailed to my friend Dave yesterday. Because, see, I bounce ideas off of him. You probably already know that by now. And it, back and forth. And I said to him, you know, this is the, where we've gotten to in this country. That Rex Tillerson, who got a medal from Vladimir Putin, if you don't know, he got confirmed. There was a lot of questions whether he was going to get confirmed. He got confirmed. He's going to be, he's going to be the Secretary of State whether we all like it or not, whether we think he has too close of ties to uh, to Russia or not. That's just the way it's going to be. And we'll see what kind of job he does and whether he is actually doing the job or he's just going to do what Trump says or he's just a figurehead. We'll all find that out in time. But here's a guy who has connections to Russia and he sails right through. But a woman who wants to alter the education system in the United States is going to have problems getting approved. You know what that goes to show? I mean, as bizarre as this is, and this is what I said to Dave, that it seems the senators, some senators, are more afraid of the teachers' unions in the United States than they are of Vladimir Putin in Russia. That's the only thing that makes sense regarding all of this. It's no, oh, Rich Tillerson, no big deal. He got this medal from Russia and from a, a, from a virtual dictator and everything. But dang it, Betsy DeVos, she wants to do some of the education system. That's dangerous. We got to stop that. Now, see, this is one of those issues, and, I, and what Dave said back to me, and I'll just keep that confidential for now, was true, true about this. But... Uh, this is why – this is what has driven, I guess, a lot of people nuts for years in that at least this is the reason that I have been harder on the education system in the United States than I am on the media. I think that if you've been listening to this show for a few years or newer to the show, education, when I get on that topic, I always make the point of saying – the education system in this country is a much bigger deal. I like to give it – I don't like to, but it's more appropriate, I think, for me to give the education system in this country a harder time, a hard time than the media. The media, whatever you call it, whether you hate Fox News, love it, think it's a lapdog for Fox, for Donald Trump, CNN, MSNBC, whatever else, the reason that they get away with what they get away with is because of our education system. That is that. There's no doubt in my mind about that, and it's just frustrating over the years that more Republican presidents haven't been able to do more to, you know, it's it's almost like we have a an education cartel in this country, almost. Although we do have some school choice out there. Uh, the teachers' unions and too many lawmakers over the years have gone after homeschooling people. 
and schools that have religious affiliations or private schools, however you wanted to determine that. At times, they've gone after all of them. All in the effort to funnel all of those kids back into the public education system. And that's, I don't believe, the way it should be. I think that parents should have the opportunity to educate their kids the way they want. And dare I say it, there's see, I don't think there's a law that should be kids must get an education. I don't believe that. I don't. I, I don't. I don't believe that there should be some law that kids should go to school. Now that has to be coupled with the idea that we're they're not going to be on the public dole. That they're not going to be getting government money, money just sitting around because they don't have an education. I think education is sport is important, but I don't believe that it should be mandated. I don't believe that parents should get in trouble if their kids don't have some type of education. If they're supposed to go to public school and the kids don't end up being there, I, I don't see how that it, it sh- there should be a penalty there. We shouldn't mandate people to do things in this country. But getting back to Betsy DeVos, she is a person who, it seems at least to her resume, according to her resume, that she probably uh, will try to loosen up uh, education restrictions in this country. And may, in her own way, whatever she can do at the federal government level, Loosen up unions so they so they don't have as much control in so many states. I think that over the years that uh, teachers unions have uh, loosened up a bit. I think that they've been shut down and not shut down, but kind of knocked back in a couple states. New Jersey, I guess, would be one. Wisconsin would be another. Remember, the Wisconsin, the whole recall of Scott Walker was mainly because of teachers unions trying to get back at him. Remember that. So they hold a huge amount of influence in this country to the point, once again, where a couple of Republican lawmakers who voted for Rex Tillerson, even though he has connections to Russia, they'll vote for him, but they won't vote for Betsy DeVos because she has something against public education and thinks it's poor. And these teach, teachers unions all over the country sink a lot, a lot of money into politics in protecting their turf and getting these things passed and enacted uh, to make sure that if there are children out there, they go to public schools and they become wards of the state and liberal education and political correctness and a lack of freedom of speech and anti-guns, anti-religion, anti-constitution, anti-white. They make sure they get their hands on every single one of them and That's why I continue to say, why do you think that so many young people are liberal? Why? Because otherwise you think of young people as being somewhat self-centered, which I guess you could say is sometimes construed to mean they're very individualistic, and that then gets to the point of them saying, well, they must be conservative. They're spoiled, they're self-centered, everything else, but dang it... (laughs) They believe in unicorns and rainbows, and they're pro-choice, and they don't want nuclear weapons, and uh, you know, on and on and on. It's hard 
to reconcile all of that. It really is. The only thing that makes sense is that that's what they're learning. That's what they're being taught. And then the adult conservatives, the adults out there, the parents, they kind of have to work on these kids for then years after to try to pull them back from the dark side. Some succeed, some don't. Some kids grow up and change their views, and then some kids are liberals their whole lives and end up being complete kooks. All because of our education system. Still, it seems Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins are not – I'm sure they've heard my – this kind of argument before that I'm making here. It doesn't seem that they are phased by it at all. They're willing to go against the rest of their Republican senators, the Republican senators who I think are going to vote for Betsy DeVos and make this a very close vote to the point where uh, Mike Pence might have to get involved with this. It might be 50-50 right down the middle, and Mike Pence comes in as the deciding vote who, of course, he would vote for Betsy DeVos and should be approved. But it shouldn't come to this. I mean, really, I mean, really, really, given everything that is going on in this country outside, I guess, of terrorism uh, and the possibility of it, education it seems like a no-brainer. The te- fighting terrorism is a no-brainer. Fixing the education system is a no-brainer. And still, you have problems with this. Once again, this is why we can't have nice things. And I wonder if Lisa Murkowski, I mean, in Alaska, I, I mean, it's certainly not Maine. It's certainly – I don't think of Alaska as being liberal as Maine, and I understand that Susan Collins, you're not going to get a Ted Cruz figure elected in Maine probably, although Maine has that kooky Republican governor, right? You're not going to get Ted Cruz elected there maybe. You're not going to get uh, Rand Paul elected there maybe. Would Marco Rubio get elected there? I don't know. So I understand you're only going to get so conservative of a Republican there. But surely the entry-level position as being a Republican senator should be the spread of school choice, the independence of education in this country, and getting away from a system where education is controlled by government. That should be entry-level stuff. I mean, if we want to talk about uh, school, that should be like kindergarten stuff, like where you learn to write your name, you know, and you learn what the colors are, the eight different colors. But doesn't seem that's the case in either. And once again, getting back to Alaska, you'd think that I don't know. I, I are teachers unions that strong in Alaska? I can see them being that strong and that influential in Maine. But in Alaska, I guess so. I I don't know. I I guess so. So this is something. Now, if she doesn't get approved, what will Trump do? What will Trump's people do? Will they back off? Will they go a little bit less radical a choice? Will they try another radical choice? Will he be tweeting at 3 in the morning about Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski? Probably. Or not, but but probably. And I don't know if that's going to help things. 
<laughs> I don't know how much they're going to like it. They, they probably won't, but maybe they deserve it. But I don't know if that's going to change their behavior for the next nominee, the education secretary nominee that comes along. And I think that's what's the most important part. What do you have to do to get the right person uh, passed and chosen and put in that position, confirmed? So but I can't help but think they're, they're perfectly fine with Rex Tillerson and his connections, but they aren't fine with Betsy DeVos and her connections. Republicans have to start learning something. If you don't like the other side, if you think that they are wrong, whether, you, whether I'm talking to the Susan Collins types, the Lisa Murkowski types out there, I know you're not as conservative as I am. That's fine. I can't do anything about that. I can't. But if you look at the other side of the aisle and all of the crazy, kooky things that they do, by you not supporting Betsy DeVos, you are only furthering that kooky behavior. I've said it for years. The key to breaking liberalism in this country is breaking apart the education cartel. That's what it is. It's very – it's not easy to do, but it's a very easy answer. The answer is right there if you have the courage to go after it. Now, the paradox of all this is that today or yesterday, today, tomorrow, there will be hundreds of thousands if not millions of Republicans and conservatives who will see this news about Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and how they are allegedly not going to vote for Betsy DeVos. They're going to be all ticked off. Because these conservatives think that Betty, Betsy DeVos is uh, great and she's a Republican appointee and she uh, is appointed by Donald Trump and they voted for him and everything on and on and on. But those same conservatives will march their kids off to the very public schools, the schools that are trying to keep Betsy DeVos from getting the position in the first place. Once again, this is why we can't have nice things. They will – conservatives will mark their, march their kids off for the cheerleading and the sports and the band and all these extracurricular activities. Meanwhile, those kids' heads are getting filled with crap, crap that the, the unions fully support. But allegedly, these conservatives are still ticked off at Murkowski and Collins. It makes no sense. And it's this is the number one reason <coughs> that we have failed as conservatives to turn the education in this country around, even though it is killing us. It is the main obstacle toward this country being more conservative. It is the education system. From high school or elementary into high school – and the the university system throughout the United States. That's where it all starts. It is not the media. But I think for people it's easy to get on the media because down deep in places they don't like to talk about, they maybe realize that they're total hypocrites on this particular topic. They want schools to be better. They want public school choice, and they want... Republicans to get whoever their nominee is in, but they march their kids off to those places that are brainwashing their kids every single day. 
And one reason, I, as I've told you before when this topic comes up, the reason it doesn't get talked about this way over the years is because this topic ticks people off. This hits, I think, conservatives a little too close to home because it's easier just to say it's the media's fault that the country is the way and the, the fake news and all of that. It's hard for conservatives to take a little bit of ownership in the way things have gone and the way that they've handled their, their children's education, not just this generation, but past generations as well, going back, back to my generation and before that. So when you start talking about uh, what's wrong, conservatives, if they're listening to talk radio, they listen to Fox News, they're never going to be told that they've been part of the problem over the years. Never. Never. You're never going to hear that. You're never going to hear that out of Donald Trump's mouth. You never hear that out of uh, Rush Limbaugh's mouth over the years. It's always the liberals' fault. We have a part to play in this failure as well, and it starts with how much we have embraced the public education system in this country. Even though publicly out there saying, you know, liking Chris Christie, defeating teachers unions in New Jersey and Wisconsin elsewhere, we love that. On the other hand, people who have kids march their kids off every day, and they don't even think about it. It's, it's bad. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I happen to believe as long as the, as conservatives take this attitude, this paradoxical, ironic attitude toward public education, it's not going to get any better. No matter who the president is, no matter who the secretary of education is, no matter what, no matter, no, no matter, no matter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have to change our behavior first. That's when it will prove. That's when it will improve. No doubt in my mind. Let's move on to something else. I read about this. I don't know if this happened yesterday or the day before, or maybe it even goes back to when the president of Mexico decided he wasn't going to have the meeting with Donald Trump. But the two of them were talking, and Donald Trump said something to the effect of, you got some bad hombres down there. And if you don't take care of it, you, I, we, I think that your, your army is afraid of these drug traffickers. That's who he's talking about. If you don't take care of it, the U, United States Army isn't afraid of these guys. We're going to take care of it. Now, I want to know something. Is this – there's a couple points I can make on, the, is, on this topic. Is this what you visualized? I, I don't think there's a, an, an adult American alive who doesn't know that, that uh, Mexico is somewhat of a narco state. That drugs flow freely through that country and the, the country of Mexico, the government has been trying to stop it even though there's the belief that some of these drug traffickers, these drug lords are paying off politicians and if you believe that. But they're trying to fight this, and it's been a war that's been going on for a long time. And there's not many winners. There's a lot of losers, and there's a lot of death. And is this what you imagine that at some point an American president would say to the president of Mexico, if you don't take care of it, uh, the, the United States Army will? 
What does that mean? <clears throat> what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to just march right down into Mexico, tanks, helicopters, jet planes? I don't think we don't have any military bases in Mexico, do we? I don't think we do. Uh, are we going to just go right over the border into Mexico and go after these guys? Or is, or is Donald Trump visualizing something where the United States and the Mex- Mexicans work together? To stop this. It doesn't sound like it's a work together type of idea. Now this, once again, this may be just the starting point. You know, Donald Trump, all his supporters like to say, well, this is just a starting point for deal making. Is this what's come to? That we have to threaten somewhat of an ally with marching into their country to take care of their own problem? Is that what diplomacy is now? That's the threat. It's the extortion. It's virtually extortion because, yes, it's true. If the United States and Mexico got into war, we would wipe them up in about a week. That's true. That we don't is a testimony to our character because I happen to believe if we were Mexico and they were the United States, I think they would have overrun us given their culture, given their attitude toward the world that they would have run us over years ago. But because the United States is different, we haven't done that. But we've never threatened force on somewhat of an ally. If they don't do something, we're going to go in and do it, do it for ourselves. Now, is the president, is that a bluff? Is it the truth? Once again, I know it's just a starting point, but why does it have to start there? Why? And I just want to know, do you Trump supporters, are you in, in favor of that? If it were come to that, would you – I know you've just said, oh, this guy's just a big talker. Well, now he's talking. He's president. It means something. I want to talk to, uh, further about this after the break. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast. The Voice of American Conservatism, WRS Digital, Red State Talk Radio. And we're back at America's Conservative Podcast. I want to continue to talk about what Trump said to the Mexican president about going down to Mexico and taking care of those bad hombres. I kind of thought that, you know, there was a movie that, that this was about. It was called Clear and Present Danger about a president – uh, it was a novel and then a movie with Harrison Ford, a novel by Tom Clancy, that had to do with a president who signs up, supports a secret war in Central America to stop drug trafficking and drug manufacturing simply because uh, a friend of his uh, was murdered. Now, it turns out that this friend of his, I think, was dealing, was hiding money for these cartels. But he gets involved in this secret war, and then when it gets found out, he sells those American soldiers out. And, of course, Harrison Ford, playing uh, the main character, what is Jack Ryan, has to go down there uh, to figure everything out and save the day. And there's no doubt in my mind if the the U.S. military – I mean, hey – Let's remember something. We can't even take care 
of drug trafficking and drug use in our own country. Now, I know a lot of it comes from Mexico, but there's a lot of drug manufacturing that goes on in the United States as well, crystal meth, among others. And we can't do, and there are many, many Americans making a lot of money doing that. We can't even handle that here. And we think that we're going to go down there and stop it. Where my perception is that they're making way more money down there than drug traffickers are, drug dealers are in this country. And they have their own private uh, security forces. And, uh, you know, you read articles. They've uh, manufactured submarines and they have boats and they have helicopters. And that's why one of the reasons it's been so tough for the Mexican government to get a handle on this. How much money are you all willing to throw at this, American people? Uh, see, I, I don't know. I see, I don't know where if this is just a a place to start the the deal making between Donald Trump and the president of Mexico. What is the next position? See, my I, I the reason I bring this up is that. The way I look at it, I probably think that I think that Mexico's probably doing about as much as it can do without just asking the United States for a couple of nuclear bombs to drop on these areas. That's what it appears like to me. They catch some people, some people get killed, then the drug traffickers kidnap people and extort people and blackmail people and ask for ransoms and it goes back and forth back and forth, uh, I know there's, once again, I know there's a lot of corruption. I know. But uh, it seems to me within the context of what Mexico is, they're doing all they can. So the next step would be, to me, in the deal-making would be the United States goes down there with military people, maybe ATF people, whoever, FBI people, and they work with the Mexican government, not just as administratively, but actually men and women with weapons, Americans going out with the Mexicans to stop these people. Do you think that that is a worthy cause? Are you willing to sink uh, a lot of money into that? No, no, I know, I know. The Mexicans are going to pay for it. That's what you're going to tell me. They're going to pay for that about as much as... Uh, they're going to pay for the me- the wall. That's about how as much. But even so, even if Mexico was paying for it, is this okay with you? Going hand in hand into another country to fri- fight uh, dra- drug trafficking. Is that the way you think Americans should uh, die? Some, a few. See, the the pitfall I see in this is that, once again, there's so much corruption all over the place. I could see a situation where American military members, soldiers, Marines, get sold out by some corrupt Mexican soldiers. Because, once again, I know they exist. Mm -hmm. That would be my fear. No different than what has happened in Afghanistan once in a while where suddenly a good Afghani guy becomes a bad Afghani guy and shoots 
a couple Americans in the back. Do you want that happening in Mexico now all because of drugs and drug trafficking? I want it stopped. You know that I think that uh, drugs should uh, continue to be illegal, but I believe that the problem starts here. I'm not, I, I know that where the drugs crump, come from, a lot of them, but the problem starts here in the United States because we have such a market for it. What can we do to stop the market? Legalizing them is going to only spread the market. The prices may come down, but the market would surely expand, which I don't think is good for anybody. So we have to take care of the business here. And I'm not sure how many politicians and people really want to get into that. We definitely have to do more uh, than what we're doing. And I don't mean militarily. I don't mean FBI, ATF, and, and, and all of that. I think that uh, there are better ways to, to handle it than that. The, you know, what everybody calls the drug war. But once again, I think this is a situation, just like going back to talking about education in this country, that the problem starts with us. Whereas I think that Donald Trump, while he is president, he's always going to see other countries as the problem. They're the reason the United States isn't great. Maybe we're the reason the United States isn't great. Maybe. And so we'll get to the point where we'll march off men and women down into Mexico to fight a a drug war on somebody else's turf that has been going on for a long time instead of just worrying about our own drug issues and drug traffickers and things here in the United States. Maybe the whatever we're going to energy we're going to put into Mexico, maybe we could just put it into situating and straightening out a few Americans. How about that? Now there's another problem that I have with this. I could have sworn, I could have sworn that Donald Trump said that we're going to build that wall and going to keep those people out. That's been his sales point. Now, if that wall is going to work, then why are we going to march people down into Mexico? We shouldn't have to worry about them anymore. I thought all these billions of dollars, we're going to build a wall. And and, and Donald Trump, are you saying that you're still going to worry about drugs getting into the United States? I could have sworn that you told us all of us, that the wall was going to fix all of that. It's going to fix immigration. It's going to fix drug trafficking, all of this stuff that is coming up from Mexico. But now you say we have to go down there to stop it. Well, why do we have to go down there to stop it if it's not going to reach us anyway? That's the other part of this that makes no sense to me. And once again, this to me sounds like some guy who's a little bit tipsy sitting down at the end of the bar with all these brilliant ideas thinks he's the smartest guy in the world but doesn't realize that each of his own ideas contradict each each other although i do like i do think it's funny that donald trump did use the words bad hombres that's kind of funny so i i don't know what to make of this i Once again, I know it's probably the beginning of deal-making. What does he want the Mexican president to do? If this is a threat, 
What would he like the Mexican president and its military to do next? Are we going to start selling them jet fighters and tanks and guns to fight the drug war in Mexico? Is that what we're going to do next? Is that going to help? Trump might think that's great for American business, but is that really what we didn't want to do? I realize that drugs and their legal, you know, the legality of them, keeping them illegal. It's been a question that's been going on in in the United States for about 30 years. For about 30 years. And some people would say we're losing it. Some people say we're just, you know, staying somewhere in the middle. But it's, it, is a, it is a fight worthy of our character because I, I don't particularly care for a country that's going to legalize something that is obviously the only reason it exists is to kill people. It's not to defend people and defend each other like guns. Drugs are meant to kill people, these kinds of drugs. And it says something about a country when it decides we're just going to make that stuff legal. Just because we can't beat it. And I was like, I would say, you know what? We might as well give up the war on homicide too. Because you know what? Murders are happening every day. Might as well just give up all the money, billions of dollars we've sunk into stopping murders in this country. They continue to happen. We're, I guess we're losing. Might as well give up. Car theft. Rape. Sexual assault. That's happening every day in every state in the union. I guess we're losing. We might as well just stop. But we know that there's a different standard for all of this. And the standard is, what does it mean to people's rights? And the truth is that the the spreading of drugs in this country, in the United States, uh, it's infringing on the rights of the people who don't do drugs. Which means the war is not being fought well enough, not properly enough. And really, the problem is, if you make it legal, it would only infringe on the rights of the people who don't do drugs even more. So we have to just do new ideas about stopping it. I'm not sure that includes marching into Mexico and trying to fix their problem. I mean, that kind of... I mean, if Trump's going to say he was against the Iraq war, uh, going into Mexico... Might not, I mean, you know my attitude on Iraq. I think I still think it was the right idea. But uh, marching into Mexico is very much kind of sort of like going into Iraq, isn't it? Going in there trying to fix somebody else's problem. You know, he says the Saddam Hussein, he wasn't a threat. We shouldn't have done that. Well, I guess Mexico is a threat, but it's... Right next door, isn't that kind of like looking for trouble where I'm not sure there's a, a good solution to it? Mm-mm. Does this not feel like something that would, given the history of it? I mean, keep in mind something. It's not like defeating these guys. It means the demand is going to go away for these drugs. Something else is going to happen. Somebody else is going to step in. Another country, maybe a bunch of people in the United States, maybe people in Canada. I don't know. 
but he really just threatened Mexican president about going in there ourselves to take care of this business. So let's move on to something else. Australia, if you didn't think it could get any weirder than Trump talking about going into Mexico on our own, he now had a conversation with the, the prime minister of Australia that it seems didn't go too smoothly, which it's like if you can't get along with Australia, who can you get along with? <laughs> I mean, really? You know, they've been a great ally for decades, decades and decades. Uh, probably as close to a country, the ally of the United States, as England and Canada are. And you have a testy conversation with Australia, with the Prime Minister of Australia. Now, I will say, at least in this case, it's not quite as bad as with the President of Mexico. In Australia's case, uh, the issues seem to be these 1,250 refugees who are being kept outside of Australia, Papua, Papua, or however you say that, New Guinea, and a couple other islands, that Barack Obama had made the deal that those refugees could would be able to come to the United States. Well, now Donald Trump doesn't want to take them. And it seems that he was fairly forceful on that. And, and in a way, I'm not going to say that I disagree with him. Okay, just for the record, I understand. I understand. Uh, I don't like the taking in of refugees, just the general idea of it either. You know, the problem that I have with this uh, executive order that he made last weekend, perfectly constitutional, maybe even has some good merits, just performed, executed improperly without asking the right people, you know, consulting the right people, doing it, you know, very quickly with all sorts of confusion. So I sort of agree with what Donald Trump, the point he's trying to make in, in this talk with the prime minister. But it seems like it was a little testy, first of all, which is not something that, to me, should happen between the President of the United States and the Prime Minister of Australia, first of all. Second of all, I think these other countries have to know that we understand their predicament with refugees. And we have to, at least in some way, honor the deals that we make, even if sometimes they are bad deals. This is a situation where do you really want to get into a tiff with Australia over 1,250 refugees, which I don't know what the percentage of that would be of the American population, but it's like, what, 0.001% or something like that, or even smaller than that. I don't know. Is it worth it? You have the op- 1,250 people. It's not that many. You could look at their paperwork, see what they're about. It's not like uh, you know thousands and thousands of refu- refugees who have stormed into Europe and all the ones who have come to the United States. These people are living in 
you know, rounded up areas and some sort of government housing on these islands. You can check them out and you can take the ones you like. And if the other ones look suspicious, you leave them behind. But it shouldn't get to the point. Uh, it, it just seems to me at this point that every deal, every talk that, that Donald Trump has with somebody, it's my way or the highway and it's absolutism. That there is no wiggle room on anything. Going into Mexico. Dealing with Australia. It just feels very weird. And I wonder if this is hurting uh, our long-term prospects of dealing with these people. I wonder. And once again, I understand. Given the refugee issue that's been going on for a few years now. I, I, I support Donald Trump and his attitude toward refugees. I do. I don't think it's worth it ticking off the, pre, the Prime Minister of Australia about though, either. He speaks English. You speak English. Work it out. Don't let, it, don't let years and years of working together be upset over uh, 1,200 refugees. But I think... This is kind of, it seems like what Donald Trump is doing now is that he's just going to do the opposite of whatever Barack Obama did, which is going to work a lot of the time. It's going to work. But you can't take it too far, far, but where, you know, some of these leaders of these other countries, they start not liking you either. So never did I think that I would read a situation where in the, in, the news, in the news of the same day, the president talks about going into Mexico with the military and getting into a uh, disagreement with the prime minister of Australia. I never thought that I'd hear either of those things, let alone on the same day in my life. Never. So let's see what happens with those in those issues. One more thing. I saw that there was some violence, some rioting. Some banks were robbed, broken into in Berkeley, California. All because of that Milo guy, you know, agent provocateur, who has risen to prominence within the last couple years, uh, especially because of Breitbart.com, that he was going to speak there. And, uh, of course, they didn't want him there. And the kids went into the streets, and it got ugly. And you can see the pictures. There's fires, broken windows, and ATMs broken into. And you know my opinion on this. First of all, liberals have to understand that when you do this, you are only making conservatives' point. You're making our point when you do what you're doing. Second of all, you all of you should have to understand that Milo keeps doing this because you do this. He loves you doing what you're doing, what you've done every time he goes to speak somewhere, because that gives him more attention. His speaking fees go up. He becomes, he's become, you're, you are making him a martyr, essentially. Almost, even though I know martyrs usually have to die. He's still alive. But you are making him almost sympathetic. You know my attitude toward Milo. I think that he likes it. 
I think that, you know, anybody who thinks that he's sad that he doesn't get to talk on any of these campuses, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think he loves the controversy that follows him everywhere because without it, he would kind of be nothing. He is Mr. Controversy, and it's all generated by his uh, enemies. But there's an important point to make about all this, and that is this is not new. It's not like he's exposing something that people don't know already. I think a large majority of the American people, even the liberals, know what Berkeley is. It's not like he's going in there to show everybody what these people are really like. People already know. So why is he going there? He's going there to get attention. He's going there because it's great for him. It's great for the sale of books. It's great for his speaking fees and other places where people don't protest. He's like this traveling carnival show all over the United States, all in, in the name allegedly of free speech and whatever else. And I'm not sure that's the reason he's out there. I happen to believe if the controversy regarding him stopped, if these people just let him speak, Milo, I don't know how he would deal with that. I don't know how he would deal with his name not being in the news anymore. That he's not generating the kind of controversy that he used to generate. Because then somewhere sometime, he would have to start selling soap, to use the Amway analogy. And I'm not sure. I think he's just a a provocateur. I don't think that he is a viable long-term option as a leader for free speech in the United States because he relies on being outrageous and controversy more than anything else. I bring up, I always bring up the Marilyn Manson. I mean, there was no rocker that was bigger than Marilyn Manson in what, 96, 97, 98, 99, and then it all went away. Why? Music was fine, but he was, he always had to outdo himself. He was all about the controversy, how he looked, what he did. And then after a while, he just kind of disappeared. Because it wasn't about the music. But I got to go. You can email me, edwarddensel at reagan.com. You can find this show on Podomatic and iTunes. It plays Monday through Friday on the, the Prime Channel on RedStateTalkRadio.com at 9 p.m. Eastern. My other show, Unfound, new episode tomorrow. You can find it on Podomatic and iTunes. It's a missing person show, true crime show. You can find the Twitter feed for this show is USA Podcast. The Twitter feed for the other show is Unfound Podcast. And my website is edwarddensel.com. i got to go. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast.